If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. As a substitute for professional medical advice, it is not intended to treat, diagnose, prevent, or cure any illnesses. So please, as always, consult your physicians when wanting to embark on any new health programs. GeorgeBatista.com is the website that pretty much has all the information you need, including how to contact me and the articles that I go over every week. So let's talk about what we're going to go over this week. First, we're going to uh, do an article from Natural News from J.D. Hayes. We're going to talk about green tea. Now, those of you who drink green tea on a regular basis, and I do, I do, you're going to find this interesting because this is new information uh, regarding how green tea improves your memory. Now, we know green tea is great for many, many things. It's anti-cancer. It's got great antioxidant capabilities. But we're going to talk about specifically how it helps rejuvenate memory and brain function in general. Then we're going to go over weight gain linked to poor gut bacteria. And this is from Life Extension. So we're going to talk about how they are related. Um, We've talked about it in the past, but it's not just now having actually good bacteria. It's actually how diverse the bacteria is in your gut. That also makes a big difference. Then we're going to talk about, from Mind Body Green, six thyroid conditions that actually will not show up or may not show up on lab tests. Okay, so those of you who are dealing with thyroid issues or those of you who are or know someone who may be dealing with thyroid issues, you may want to listen to this because these are things that will show up or that will not show up on lab tests and yet you still may have an underlying thyroid condition, and we know that a lot of doctors still are clueless when it comes to thyroid function and how it works and how to actually help out with it and you know what they need to do. So uh, very important information. And then finally, I'm going to go over, uh, this is from Wellness Resources. We're going we're gonna to talk about fl- the benefits and the anti-aging benefits of flavonoids and how important they are. They're more important than you think. And this is going to be our focus and our spotlight of this week. Flavonoids are in fruits and vegetables, but we want to talk about why it is they are so important, how they affect your health, how they can prevent all different types of age-related uh, uh, diseases and, 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 and things like that. So it's going to be a very important show, and we've got, uh, as you can see, we've got some good information for you. So let's get started. First, we'll talk about green tea. So this is again from Natural News, J.D. Hayes, and this is green tea really does improve your memory. So those of you who drink green tea on a regular basis and have have studied the science on it know that green tea is extremely powerful, okay? 
Why is it so powerful? Because there have been, you know, thousands of studies on green tea and the antioxidant properties of green tea that are actually anti-cancer. They actually help with insulin. You know, it's been known to help with insulin resistance, actually help to stimulate your your metabolism and your brown fat tissue. Your brown fat tissue is stimulated from the shiver response, okay? So like when you're in a cold, for example, and you're shivering, you're actually stimulating brown fat. Well, green tea has been also, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the compounds in green tea have been shown to stimulate that as well. Green tea has been also implicated uh, and helpful in cholesterol uh, metabolism. Um, and just overall, you know, uh, helpful, you know, in the prevention of type 2 diabetes and things like that. So, and then, of course, we know that the main, the main thing that green tea gets studied for is its anti-cancer properties and how it helps uh, with that. So, but now here we're, we're seeing also, this was out of the journal Molecular Nutrition and Food Research. It found that EGCG, which is epigallocatechin gallate, which is the actual component in green tea that actually does all the work, uh, they found that, you know, when it's elevated, now this was an animal model. Okay, so this was in mice, but they found that when it was elevated in mice, it actually improved their memory and their cognitive abilities. Now, why is this? Now, what they did was they had two groups of mice. They had um, mice that were given the EGCG, and then they had a control group. And uh, basically what they did was they trained these mice on two different things. They trained them how to get through a, you know, a very visible maze, Okay, and they did that for three days, and then they were trained to uh, for seven days to find a hidden platform. Okay, now here's what they found: the researchers found that the EGCG treated mice were uh, they required far less uh, time to find the hidden platforms overall. Okay, but also they found that the EGCG actually enhanced their learning and their memory capabilities, helped them improve uh, object recognition and spatial memory. Okay, so this isn't a mice model, but this is very important because things like this tend to be translated into humans later on. And, you know, a lot of the other studies also have been human studies. Actually, they had another human study out of Japan that it found. Uh, it was an actually, it was 14,000 senior citizens, 65 and older, and they studied them for three years, and they gave them, you know, the compounds in, in green tea. And they literally found a difference between the functional ability of the people who drank at least five cups of green tea versus people who drank just one or two. So literally there was a functional disability in people who drank less cups of green tea. So basically they said 13% of the adults who drank just a cup or fewer of green tea literally became functionally disabled compared to just 7% of those who drank five or more cups. So, you know, you may think five or, you know, five or more cups is, is kind of excessive, but really, if you think about it, for such a healthy beverage, um, you know, there are many people. I, mean, I, I think, you know, taking four or five cups of green tea a day is, is great. Now, yes, green tea does have a certain amount of caffeine, but it's not, it's not the amount of caffeine that a cup of coffee, for example, that's going to give you that, you know, human, you know, that tremendous jolt to your nervous system, number one. It's kind of more of an easy, steady... Uh, energy that, that green tea gives you, but um, I would suggest at least drinking. You know, you, you know, don't necessarily have to be five cups, but at least maybe two cups a day. You know, as a basic. 
you may be having one in the morning and having one in the afternoon, or maybe three and one in the evening. But um, it's a great substitute for coffee. Those of you who want to get off coffee but still want to have a healthy drink with a little bit of caffeine in it, um, it's 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 really really good. And then you can use you know maybe some raw honey. Those of you who want a little bit of sweetener in it or some kind of stevia or something like that. But green tea, very 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 helpful. Shows that it helps to boost boost mental performance and ability. And there's been, again, thousands of, of research studies on it. Helps with the burning of fat. So, you know, obviously it's going to be in, uh, uh, it's going to be complementary to your overall exercise and your nutrition plan. So don't just think of green tea as something that's going to help you burn fat and you're just going to sit on the couch and watch TV. So it's something you do have to, you know, obviously, you know, put as your, you know, put as part of your overall protocol. But, this is great. Um, so it shows not only all those benefits, but including memory as well. So keep those things in mind. Next, from Life Extension, this is weight gain linked to poor gut bacteria. Well, we've talked about gut bacteria many times on this show and uh, how important um, weight gain and gut bacteria, they actually go hand in hand and they're finding more and more as the research goes along that gut bacteria and weight gain really, really are closely related. Now, you know, you have to remember that everyone has a certain amount of gut bacteria. Everyone has bacteria in your system in general. We all have yeast in our systems, whether it's in your gut or whether it's in your sinuses. And the reason why it's there is because it offers protection. Because you got to remember that your gut and your sinuses you know, are are basically your, you know, the, or at least the yeast in your gut and your sinuses are your first line of defense when you inhale or when you eat something, okay? And knowing that 70% of your immune system is around your gut area anyway, so you want to make sure you're keeping that as clean as possible. But, you know, we again, we do have a certain amount of yeast, and that's just that's just the way it is, and it, 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 it does serve a purpose. The problem is, is when the yeast gets out of control and starts to really take over things and starts to... Um, starts to form candida that actually um, becomes uh, problematic. So when you're eating things, that starts to cause inflammation. Or even if it's in your sinuses, when it starts to cause sinus problems and swelling and mucus and, or excessive mucus and things like that, then you're, you're getting into, then you, you know you're heading in the wrong direction, okay? Uh, but, you know, keeping this bacteria healthy is very important. So, there was some research that compared the gut bacterial genes of 169 obese and 123 non-obese Danish men and women. And it was discovered, okay, and I'm I'm quoting here, it was discovered that approximately one-fourth of the participants had up to 40% fewer fewer, uh, gut bacteria genes than the remainder of the study population and correspondingly fewer bacteria. This group also had less bacterial diversity. So subjects with low bacterial richness were significantly, were significantly likely to have more uh, obesity, okay? So they were more likely to be obese and have gained more weight over the previous nine years. But not only that, they were actually more insulin resistant, more likely to be uh, dyslipidemic and had an increase in markers of inflammation. So you're talking about, you know, interleukin-6, you're talking about tumor necrosis factor alpha, things like that, inflammation markers that are very important. And, um, you know, they had a greater risk for diabetes and heart disease, okay? So these were people that had 
not only fewer gut bacteria, but less diverse gut bacteria. So one of the reasons why this happens, and we know because it's an epidemic in general, is antibiotics. You know, people take antibiotics on a regular basis. As some people take it yearly because they have their seasonal flus or their seasonal colds and things like that, and they run to their doctor, and the first thing they do is grab the antibiotics. But we know that antibiotics have been overprescribed for many, many years um, because doctors just hand it out like candy. And what, what happens is if you start doing this on a regular basis, it starts to destroy, starts to get rid of the good gut bacteria that actually is supposed to be protective. And you know, once that starts happening, then you're putting, itself, you're putting yourself more at risk for things like uh, inflammation in the gut, uh, so, for example, you know, having food intolerances and, you know, gluten intolerances and candida albicans and overgrowth. And then not only, it, you have to remember that it doesn't always stay in your gut. Sometimes those issues, those yeast and candida issues start moving up into different parts of your body, creating things like LPS, lipopolysaccharides, which start to move around your body, start to create inflammation. And other parts of your body can go to your lungs because... Those candida properties also share the same mucosal lining with your lungs and can even, you know, go into your sinuses and cause sinus problems. So, but also, another thing that, um, you know, poor yeast or poor gut bacteria can do is actually create a leptin resistance. And the reason why it can do that is because it actually helps. You have to remember some of the leptin that helps, you know, goes to your brain and actually gives you that full signal. Some of, you know, a lot of it comes out of your white adipose tissue, but some of it also comes out from your gut, and that it can actually depress leptin function um, and actually make, you know, make it uh, not work properly and actually uh, make your, you know, make you eat more than you should. This is where you get into obesity issues and things like that. Also, poor gut bacteria can uh, actually make you crave things like sugar, crave, you know, crave carbohydrates in general, make you eat more than you should as well there. So, there's a lot of things, you know, that go on here. We're also talking about poor absorption of certain nutrients. So even if you're taking vitamins or you're taking things with uh, that contain a lot of vitamins in it, if you have an overgrowth of candida problems or gut bacteria, you're not going to absorb these things well at all, okay? Um, you know, things like leaky gut syndrome, having particles go into your system and your body actually start attacking these particles, leading to autoimmune issues and inflammation issues. I mean, there's so many things that can happen, you know. And I, you know, and again, I've always said in the past that I would bet, you know, a good amount of the uh, illnesses that are out there, okay, um, have to do with poor gut bacteria in general, okay, which has to do with a lot of the antibiotics or just a lot of the, you know. But again, it doesn't necessarily have to be antibiotics. It could be just um, you know, eating a bad diet, eating a lot of sugar and alcohol and, and things like that. So, you know, the, my point being is that you, you, you have to have a good strategy to keep your gut bacteria in balance. So what I suggest, you know, those of you who are overweight or those of you who are not, just make sure that you're taking a regular probiotic just in general, even if you're not having any issue, because you want to make sure you're keeping your gut properly, you know, in check, okay? Because... At any time, it can switch over, and candida can run wild. And there, you know, and then once you have it, it's uh, it's a harder time getting rid of it because sometimes it's a slow progression. You don't even realize it's happening. So, I take probiotics every day because they're in my smoothies. So, 
It's just part of my morning rituals. So I know that I'm flooding my body with probiotics and making sure that I'm keeping my gut clean, as clean as possible. So I suggest everybody do it. But, you know, obviously these are these are studies that are very, very important showing how gut bacteria more and more is really being linked to obesity. So uh, those of you who want to make sure that you uh, don't get into that pattern, because you know, some of us tend to gain weight faster than others, making sure you attack it right at the source, which is the um, good gut bacteria, making sure that it's clean and making sure that it's in control, um, you know, adults and children alike. Okay, next, this is from Mind Body Green. We're going to talk about six thyroid conditions that won't show up on your lab test. Now, just you know, a little bit of background. You know, it's 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 pretty much estimated that more you know, more than about 20 million Americans suffer from either you know from most likely low thyroid problems or hypothyroidism, and one in eight women will develop a thyroid disorder in her lifetime. Okay, so you know, thyroid issues can range from, or as far as symptoms anyway, can range from weight loss, you know, uh, weight loss resistance, fatigue, brain fog, irritability, depression, hair loss, brittle nails. Um, or weight gain as well, okay? And typically when you go run your tests or, you you know, you get a thyroid test in, a, in a, you know, you go to the doctor's office, they'll typically run a, a TSH or thyroid stimulating, stimulating hormone test and, and, and a T4 test, okay? Now, if your TSH is high, most likely you're, you're going to be, you know, many doctors will give you a thyroid uh replacement hormone drug, whether it's Synthroid or Armor, Armor Thyroid or something like that, okay, but sometimes, um, you know, it's not always that simple, and because, again, Western medicine likes to draw a line between A and B and go straight from A to B without realizing that there are a lot of, there's a hundred of different, you know, scenarios in between A and B sometimes, okay, it's not always just a cut and dry type of thing, so you have to understand that uh, you know, thyroid symptoms and thyroid issues can range. Um, you know, there can be all these different types of things. Okay, because you got to remember, there's there's conversions that are happening in your body because of thyroid as well. So I'm going to go over these really quickly, just to kind of just to kind of highlight some of these things. But I think it's a great article. So, for example, six patterns of hypothyroidism that may not show up on conventional lab tests. Okay. And um, and may may not necessarily be helped by thyroid medication. Hashimoto's disease is the first one. Okay, Hashimoto's is is basically um, an autoimmune uh, issue. Okay, it's or thyroiditis they call it as well. Okay, and in this case, the thyroid is not really is is not necessarily the the true culprit, but it is the victim of the immune system. So, basically. Your immune system is attacking the thyroid in this type of in this type of issue. Okay, so now when you go to a when you go and you get a lab test, for example, and they they study your TSH, your TSH can be normal. Okay, but you can be dealing with an autoimmune response uh, and low thyroid symptoms. Okay, so this is one thing that may not show up on a lab test, for example. Again, this you know again there's shades of gray in this, but this is one of the issues. Number two, thyroid resistance. Now, it's similar to insulin resistance, but thyroid resistance is caused by cellular inflammation. And, and what it does is it decreases, um, decreases hormone communication within the cell membrane. So your thyroid hormone production here isn't necessarily a problem. 
your TSA scores may be normal, but the, but the person will have symptoms. Okay, you may have symptoms of again, whether it's weight gain, whether it's hair loss, whether it's fatigue, and things like that. So, uh, for example, you know, lab tests such as homocysteine and reverse T3 will give you know will give you a kind of a look at the inflammation and the hormone receptors and what's going on as far as you know in in this type of pattern. So, you know, again, this is something you 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 know, you kind of have to gauge, but, you know, you work with your doctor on these types of things. Number three, thyroid under conversion, okay? Now, they've talked about this, you know, this is a little more popular as, as well, but again, it's um, it's something that may not necessarily be alleviated by replacement hormones. Now, um, you have to remember that, for example, your thyroid hormone is in the form of T4, okay? So, when your body makes thyroid hormones, it, it makes it that there's signaling that happens, and you make what's called T4 thyroxin. Or I'm sorry, T4, and it's an in it's an inactive form of thyroid hormone. It has to be activated. It has to be converted. That conversion generally happens in the liver, but it does happen in other areas of your body as well. But the majority of it happens in the liver. When it gets converted, it gets converted to t- to T3. Okay, that becomes the act- Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com cloud. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud. With the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com cloud form of thyroid hormone. Now that conversion, once it happens, then you, it basically moves into your cells and it's, it, it stimulates the mitochondria of your cells or your cell engines and tells the cells engines how fast to, uh, you know, run your metabolism, how fast to give you energy and so on and so forth. Okay. And, you know, this whole process actually turns on about 80 gene switches in the whole process. So, in general, your thyroid governs a lot of things, but one of the things it governs is your um, metabolism, but it also governs your energy at rest. Okay, very, very important. Okay, so this conversion issue, if it's not happening, having, uh, if it's not happening in your system properly, then you can have thyroid, you know, problems. And again, in this type of issue, it may not be the thyroid itself that's having the problem, but it could be the conversion of it. So, um. In this issue, you need things like selenium, you need things like zinc, you need things like iron and your B vitamins. Why? 
because all these things actually help with the conversion of T4 to T3. If that conversion is not happening, then you, it can lead to those issues. So, um, again, this is something that does not show up on lab tests many times. But um, you know, people get given th- people were given thyroid hormones in, th- in th- these type of incidences when thyroid the thyroid uh, itself is not having the problem. It's the conversion issue. Okay, so keep that in mind. Number four, thyroid overconversion. Now you would think that the you know you would think that if the body produces more T3 or you know the active form of thyroid hormone that it would be a good thing, but too much of a good thing will overwhelm your cells and cause resi- you know a resistance pattern. So this, this thyroid pattern is seen with people with elevated testosterone levels, insulin resistance, type two diabetes, and you know women with uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome and things like that. Okay, so there can be an overconversion of this as well. Okay, and again, something that may not show up. Another thing, thyroid binding globulin elevation. Now, thyroid hormones, you know, pretty much what all your hormones get transported throughout the body on protein carriers. And when these protein carriers, for example, are, you know, their TBGs or, you know, thyroid binding globulins, when they're elevated, they can cause an increase of protein bound thyroid hormones, which are inactive. Okay. So, This is common with, you know, excess estrogen levels and women, you know, having extra, you know, excess estrogen in general in their body. So, you know, again, uh, this is another type of issue that that uh, that tends to not show up. And number six, hypothyroidism secondary to pituitary hypofunction. Okay. Now, in this pattern, the pituitary gland, which sits at the base of the brain, isn't communicating with your thyroid gland. Okay. So this is a bigger issue. Now, there's nothing wrong with the thyroid itself. It's just that it's, but it, there's a communication problem with actually telling the thyroid what it needs to do. Okay, And this could be associated with viral infections. This could be chronic bacteria issues. You know, this may, this is something that is probably a little more rare, but it can happen. All right. So, you know, the, you know, and, and also you have to understand that when you have a problem with um, whether it's chronic stress or chronic viral infections or, or chronic bacterial infections and things like that, sometimes uh, your body <clears throat> will make um, what's what's you know will make more of uh, what's called reverse T3. Now, when they do a test on your thyroid test, they'll do a combination of active T3 and reverse T3. I know this is getting very technical, but basically reverse T3 is kind of the brakes that your body puts on it to make sure that your body's not getting, not running so fast, put it that way. So if your reverse T3 is high, that's basically saying that your body is trying to put the brakes on something, which is which means that General, there's something going on that your body's trying to put the brakes on. It could be high inflammation, high stress, high bacterial uh, problems, high viral issues, or whatever it is. So, again, you know, doctors will hand out thyroid medications like candy, you know, regardless of the issue. And as you can see by just what I've what I've just gone over, there are tons of shades of gray in between that. And um, so it does involve a little more testing, a little more investigation in general, by doctors, and I think a lot of doctors don't do it, but there are doctors out there who do do that, but they're very, you know, there's not as many as you would think. So I'm hopefully, that just gives you a little bit of, uh, 
just a little bit of information on <clears throat> what can happen and what may or may not be seen on lab tests, but just keep those things in mind in general when you're dealing with thyroid issues. Okay, and finally, the anti-aging benefits of flavonoids. We're going to talk a little bit about flavonoids and what they are and how important they are to anti-aging, okay? Now, let's talk a little bit about what are flavonoids in general. You know, flavonoids are the dominant factor that gives fruits their color, okay? So, <clears throat> for example, you know, vegetables have, uh, vegetables have some flavonoids or smaller amounts of flavonoids, but... Um, vegetables, what give them their color is more of the carotenes, okay? But there are thousands of different types of flavonoids in nature. Now, you have flavonoids and you have polyphenols, okay, as well. That's very, very important. Now, all flavonoids are polyphenols, and they contain a common phenol compound that is part of their structure, okay? But uh, polyphenols, you know, represent a broader group of nutrients broken down into categories, such as, you know, Phenolic acids, still being tannins, uh, all different types of flavonoids like that. But so, for example, just to give you uh, some examples of, of flavonoids, a popular, you know, nutrient resveratrol is a polyphenol of the still being type, but it's not a flavonoid. Okay, but it's found in red grapes in small amounts, and uh, which are primarily flavonoids. Also, blueberries are another fruit that is high in flavonoids. Um, curcumin is a polyphenol. Okay, it's a different type of polyphenol, but it's not a flavonoid. Okay, they, they, again, there's a lot of confusion when it comes to these types of things. What is a flavonoid? What is not? What's a polyphenol? That type of thing. But again, polyphenols and flavonoids, you know, they do have antioxidant capabilities. Are very, very important to the system. One of the things that, and the reason why uh, plants are, and, and you know plants in general and the fruits and plants have these antioxidant capabilities is because you have to remember that plants and and fruits in general, when they're grown, they have to protect themselves. They have to protect themselves from different types of bacteria. They have to protect themselves from different types of things that grow in nature. And one of the ways they do that is by synthesizing different types of flavonoids as antioxidants to protect that, okay? So it's, you know, it's very important. Okay, so it's part of the defense system against invasive infection. But at the same time, these flavonoids, when you ingest them, they also do the same type of immune support when you, when you ingest them, you know, when humans ingest them. So they help to regulate cell functions within plants, but they also do the same for humans as well. Okay, extremely important. Now, one of the biggest types of flavonoids that's around <clears throat> is quercetin. Quercetin, it's a flavanol. Its highest concentration is in apples and red onions, okay? And you get generally, if you, let's say if you eat a Ryan Ripe and apple, you get about 50 milligrams of quercetin. And, but it's, you know, quercetin is extremely, very, very powerful. It's known for its ability to stabilize the immune system. It's known to reduce excess histamine as far as the allergy response. It's known to help with asthma and nervous system issues. Weight management, cardiovascular issues, very, very important. This is something that is grown in nature, quercetin, okay? Apples and onions, very important. <clears throat> Another important one is physetin. Physetin is in strawberries, but it's best known for its memory and brain-preserving properties. And it's known to help also benefits blood sugar metabolism and asthma, 
So physetin, extremely important as well as far as the flavonoids goes, okay? Then you have things like catechins. Catechins are another type of flavonoid best known for their role in, again, green tea. So we're talking about green tea, catechins, great antioxidant, and um, help in the prevention of cancer, help in metabolism in general, uh, just just overall great antioxidant capabilities. Even dark chocolate has great catechins and flavonoids in it as well. So <clears throat> flavonoids are extremely important. There have been made great studies on flavonoids. Uh, and um, you know, one study followed 2,915 <clears throat> members of a study of type 2 diabetes. And they, they uh, followed them for a study of an average of 12 years. And what they found with those with the highest intake of flavonoids were 26% less likely to develop type 2 diabetes. Why? Because it helps to control issues with metabolism, adiponectin, what helps to bring down blood sugar and those types of things. Very important. There was another study that showed that the six different types of flavonoids were all associated with risk reduction of cardiovascular disease. Okay? Great, great studies on this. And there was a third study that looked at all-cause mortality over 12 years. They followed 807 men and women, age 65 and over. And, and this was an interesting study. This was out of Italy because they, they actually measured their urinary excretion of total polyphenols. Now, urinary excretion is one of the best ways to measure certain nutrients in the body and how much of it that you uh, maintain. Because, you know, a lot of times when you do studies... Other studies, they rely on things like um, surveys and things like that. But this study actually studied urinary excretion. They found that those with the highest levels of urinary polyphenols had a 30% uh, mortality risk reduction. Okay? So, again, polyphenols, excellent, excellent thing you should be having on a regular basis in your, you know, just in general in your... um, overall diet because, you know, it helps to, it has anti-aging, but you have to remember also these polyphenols and flavonoids, they're actually going down to the genes also. They actually help with gene function, gene regulation. So it's not just the fact that they're preventing illnesses uh, in the short term, in the long term, they're actually having an effect on your genes and how your genes express themselves. And this is very important when it comes to epigenetics and things like this, okay? Very, very, very... And those of you who are afraid of, of eating fruits and things like that because of the sugar content, you have to understand something. When you eat fruit, okay, um, if you're eating, you know, <clears throat> a good amount of fruit, you know, obviously it does have sugar and fructose and that type of thing, but you have to remember that the compounds, the actual cofactors and compounds in the fruit actually help you with the metabolism of sugar, Okay, because they're packaged together. So, you know, again, when you're eating sugar by itself, when you're eating sugar in between your meals, okay, and you're eating your cookies and your cakes and those types of things, then yeah, you're going to, you know, that's more of a, the trouble spot because then you have nothing to assist in the metabolism of sugar where, you know, you get, you get yourself more into trouble. But if you're ingesting sugar as part of the fruit, and you're ingesting sugar, you know, with the fruit, with especially with other types of um, foods in the diet, then you're you you know it's not it's not really that big of a deal as long obviously you're going to keep it in check you're not going to go overboard but you know people go crazy with oh my god I can't eat fruit because of the sugar content yes you can eat fruit you just have to remember to keep it in a good uh, 
Keep it in a good ratio. And remember that you're ingesting also the cofactors with that. Okay? It makes a difference. It makes a big difference. All right? So polyphenols, flavonoids, extremely important. You know, read the article more <clears throat> because um, I think you'll get... You know, I just highlighted some of the issues on, on the article, but definitely read it because it's very, very important. <clears throat> Excuse me. Finally, we got a question here from Suli, and um, she asks, she says, I'm 27 years old and I have been dealing with symptoms of sluggishness and body pain. My mother thinks it's fibromyalgia, which is what she's had in the past. She keeps telling me it runs in my family. Now, I have also been dealing with bloating and stomach issues, especially when I'm hanging out with the gals and having some beers and wine. Could this be related, she's asking. Uh, could you recommend anything to get me back on track because I'm tired of being tired? Well, Suli, I uh, hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Um, it, from what it seems like to me, and again, you know, obviously I'm not a doctor, so I can't diagnose specifically, but from what I have my opinion on it, you know, you definitely have some issue, you, you probably definitely have some overgrowth issues in your stomach, number one in your digestive tract, especially if it's happening when you're, uh, you know, when you're having some beer and wine or, you know, alcohol in general, because what's happening is, you know, generally you have to look at it this way. If you have an overgrowth of yeast in your, uh, in your digestive tract, um, you have to remember that, that sugar and alcohol actually mix to make a yeast. That's how that happens. So your, so your body or your digestive tract actually becomes a fermenting place for for bad yeast to to develop and if you're dumping more alcohol which is you know the sugar going into your system you're actually making it worse if you already have a problem so one of the first things i would suggest for you if you if you're dealing with that type of issue is to make sure that you have to start cleaning out your gut so you know what i would suggest is number one to get you know not not drink the alcohol for a certain amount of time you know um, until you get this cleared up, okay? Because you want to try to clear this up first, right? So the first thing I would suggest is you make sure that you've got enough probiotics on hand. So you need some good probiotics to start to get the good bacteria into your system, okay? But you also start, you know, probiotics is one thing, but probiotics are only going to do a certain amount of things. You want to get rid of the, or you want to try to uh, eliminate the bad bacteria that you got going on in there. Okay, so what I would suggest is um, digestive enzymes, okay, to help you break down some of the things because this can lead to a bigger widespread problem, but also things like quercetin. Quercetin is excellent to, uh, as an antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial type of issue to help break down bad issues that you're having in your digestive tract. Also, oregano oil. Oregano oil is great to break that down as well. Again, antifungal, antibacterial. But you definitely, I think, have some issues in your gut that you have to deal with. Now, could that be leading to symptoms of fibromyalgia? Absolutely, because you have to remember that if, you have, if you've had that issue for a while, it can actually lead to issues in other areas of your body. So it can lead to pain in, uh, in your muscles. It can lead to pain in your joints. It can lead to pain in different areas of your body because it creates what's called oxylipins and lipopolysaccharides and those things travel to other areas of the body that actually you know cause pain in the muscles and things like that so you know that's you know it you know so i you know i think it can definitely lead to that type of issue now you know the fibromyalgia obviously is you know it's a more serious issue because you know it's 
<clears throat> it's generally like having pain in your body all the time. It's like it's like having flu symptoms, but having flu symptoms all year round. And then eventually, as it goes along, you know, <clears throat> women have more symptoms like. Uh, you know, it's harder to get out of bed and, you know, tiredness and sluggishness, which you have. And, um, you know, so they can go hand in hand. So for things like, and, and also, <clears throat> um, if you, you know, a lot of people with fibromyalgia find themselves with wound up nerves and things like that, not being able to sleep at night. I don't know if that's a symptom that you have, but it can, you know, lead to those things like that. So, you know, to help with that type of thing also, I would suggest things like a good multiple vitamin, okay, with B vitamins, because you want to make sure that you have enough B vitamins to keep your adrenals functioning properly, because adrenals are going to have a big, or going to have, um, are going to help to boost up your energy levels, okay, your, your, they're going to, the B vitamins with your adrenals are going to help to bring up your energy, so that's number one, you want to make sure energetically you're functioning properly, so make sure you have high enough B vitamins, number two, magnesium, why magnesium? Because magnesium is very, very important. It helps to prevent muscle fatigue. Now, if you're having fatigue in the muscles or if you're having pain in the muscles due to fibro symptoms, then magnesium is going to help with the buildup of lactic acid because lactic acid is one of the things that builds up when people have fibromyalgia and they have pain in the muscles. So, uh, magnesium, high magnesiums, maybe, you know, three to 500 milligrams of magnesium, very, very important to allow the muscles to relax, to help loosen them up a little bit, okay? Um, so, you know, very important. Other immune compounds as well that are going to help with that, okay? But that's where I would start, okay? I would start with the probiotics, oregano oil, and, um, and the uh, quercetin to help start to clean out the gut. I would eliminate the alcohol for a period of time and eliminate sugar, really. I would eliminate sugar in general, at least for a period of time, to make sure that you're cleaning your system out, okay? Um, and then I would get on a good multiple vitamin or a good B complex. It's high in B vitamins, okay? And, uh, and then a good magnesium supplement, okay? Uh, if you do all these things, comprehensive health program, and then also you need to move, okay? Because... If you're building up lactic acid in the muscles, you need to move to try to get that out. So <clears throat> some form of exercise, even if it's a small form, get that going as well. But those are the things, those are the foundations I would recommend to you, Suli, okay? Uh, hopefully that helps you out and get you started on the right track and, um, you know, get you. But it's definitely, you know, definitely those are the fundamentals, okay? All right, so that's it for this week. I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show. Hope you guys have a great week. If you have a question for me, go to georgebatista.com, and you can go to the contact section and answer your, uh, ask your questions there. Until I speak with you again, have a great week, everyone. Be well. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. 
check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. If you run a business, Bank of Clark County has you covered. Offering cash management services to automate and simplify your business banking, streamlined digital banking, and merchant payment processing that's a one-stop solution. Plus, Bank of Clark offers corporate credit cards that help you optimize capital, organize expenses, and enhance your business. Whether you're looking to earn points faster or lower your APR, Bank of Clark County has the card that's right for you. Member FDIC.